0: Okay, um, so um, thanks very much for joining me, Trevor. Um, no problem. This is uh, episode three of the uh, Comedy Jam, the new podcast starring me. Um, and of course, it's a it's a great honour, I'm sure, for you to to be on my show. <laughs> no, it's a great honour to have you. Thank you. <laughs> thanks so much for coming on. Um, uh, I I didn't know you um, or know of you really before this country, of course. Um, came to my 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 mind and uh my attention um and and since sort of knowing you um and obviously seeing you in in that as len i've kind of seen you in every program i ever watch so yeah it's uh it's 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 great to to sort of have got to know you over the last couple of years um so oops so first thing I wanted to sort of f- sort of find out about was um how you got into uh acting in general because You've obviously got a career that is uh, forty odd years now.
1: Yeah. Yes.
0: Um, and obviously, you grew up um, in in Devon, and uh, yeah. just interested to see how you sort of went from that to getting Stuff. into the whole thing.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, that's right. No, I I was 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 I was actually born in London, but my uh, parents moved down to Devon when I was like about you know one or something. And so Paul and myself were born down in, uh, 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 Paul was born down in Devon. I, I, you know, and we were brought up there, and my sister arrived in 63, I think. Um, And um, so I went to school there, and we left Devon when I'd done A levels and all that. Um, I still didn't really know sort of what I wanted to do. We didn't do any drama or anything like that at the Mm -hmm. school. That was a, a grammar school, and it, it, it didn't had very little extracurricular. It was a pretty shit grammar school. It was fine, but it didn't do much in the extracurricular sense. So there was there was no drama. Um, if there was, then people did it on their own bat, you know. But I, it wasn't something that came to me really. Um, and but I, then it was a you know I wanted to go and do do a degree. Um, and it was a question of what I wanted to do. And, I mean, obviously it was going to be something I thought vaguely in the arts, but I didn't really want to do English, although that was the the obvious one, because I don't um, – I just got fed up with having to criticise books. I just like reading them. I don't like having to write about them. Yeah, um, I think a creative, you know, if there had been – because, you know, when I went to university, which is like donkey's years ago, you know, there weren't the breadth of courses – now there are all sorts of things I could have done. Oh, yes. There wasn't anything then, really. You know, you did the standard courses, you know. And I thought, what do I like that, um, what do I think I might like that, you know, I haven't studied already? And I picked law.
0: Yeah, that was at Warwick, wasn't
1: it? Well, I, I, I ended up at Warwick. I started at Kingston Polytechnic. Kingston Polytechnic I did my uh, 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 my first degree a ba and then I did a master's in at, at Warwick which was only a, a year mm-hmm. um, but but where I got into the acting was at Kingston it just so happened that at Kingston the law Society always used to put on a Christmas pantomime and I got involved in that I mean the first year I did it I think I I don't know, I think I pulled the curtain, you know. And the second year I was there, I, I, I organised the music. Yeah. I play the trumpet and I can read music and do stuff and I organised a sort of band and all that for it. And the last year that I was there, I actually wrote it. So I wrote The Pantomime and I was in it as a sort of Bruce Forsyth-type MC who'd come on in between the acts and do stuff with the audience. And um, I was doing that. And, and there was a drama society at Kingston not There wasn't a the drama department, but there was drama society, which I hadn't been any part of at all. And the guy who was the sort of head of the drama society, a guy called Rod Goodman, who I saw see, Rod came up and said, you were rather good as that. Do you fancy being in our next production? And I said, oh, I don't know. I don't know if that's... And he said, well, we're doing the th- the opera. And I said, well, I don't know opera. And he said, no, no, it's not. It's Bertolt Brecht, it's not like opera in the sense that you might know it yeah but the good thing is we're going to Paris on an exchange trip in the Easter holidays and I thought well that sounds good so I he he asked me to come and audition I went to audition and the guy with the MD Norman um uh, Rod said to Norman said this is Trevor and he's going to be playing McKeith and I said always McKeith is that a good part I said yeah it is Mac the Knife he's the lead really oh okay (laughs) So, you know, I and so that was the first thing I ever did and um, had a great time. And he cast a lot of people who knew each other um, my girlfriend at the time, my sort of best friend, my best friend's girlfriend, there were a whole bunch of us who'd not really been part of the drama, but we all knew it. And he, I don't know, he just decided to cast us all in this production. And I remembered, I've talked about it before in interviews. There was a moment when I was, we were sitting in a lecture theater rehearsing. And I was watching, you know, some of my mates going through the, you know, the motions, and um, pacing myself, laughing because there was a lot of stuff going on, you know. And I thought, there are people who get paid for doing this. This is a job that people get paid for. Yeah, it's brilliant. I've loved every minute of it. It's, I'd already decided I didn't want to do law. At the end of my first, at the, about halfway through my second year. No, in fact, it was during my first year. I went up to my tutor and I said, I don't want to be a lawyer. I really don't want to be a lawyer. And I'm thinking of leaving and going to become a lorry driver. And she said, don't do that because you have an aptitude for it. Finish the course, get the degree, you know, do the minimum um, and then see where that takes you. And I thought, OK, so I I think I'd vaguely in the back of my head thought I was going to teach. So I was going to do a master's and teach law. But the thing about the drama drama hung in my mind after, you know, the, the third year, we had a fantastic time in Paris. Um, And I thought, no, I've got to give this a go. Yeah. And so I went to Warwick. I did a master's. I got a qualification. I actually then taught for uh, two years in various places. uh, South Bank, Polytechnic at the South Bank. Right, yeah. I I lectured in law. So, you know, people who had to do a bit of law on their courses, like people like bakers and engineers and people like that, I did the law, you know. But I was—I hadn't got any money, really, and I, it was a question of, you know, and in the end I got a grant and I applied for drama school. And the place I got into was a place called the Drama Studio, which is in Ealing, mm-hmm. uh, where they like you to be a bit older. They won't take someone straight from school. Um, and um, uh, I'd I've, I've been to a few places. I was offered a place at Mountview, I think. I also failed to get into RADA. I'd failed to get into Weber Douglas, I think um but anyway so now and then the drama studio offered and i like what they were offering at the drama school drama studio because the average age there was 25 which is what i was um was i that yeah about that i was maybe 22 or three something like that yeah but certainly i've done the masters as well as i've i, mean, I right done there. a degree in a month. so yeah i must have been getting on that way and there were 30 year olds on the course i mean that was the, the point of it really um uh and um and that was it it sort of and i knew once i'd started drama school you know it, it it it's not one of the bigger drama schools it but it was a, there were a lot of americans on the course and we all keep in touch we're all friends it's weird we have this weird i mean we did a a mass zoom recently 40 years later to see you know uh, we've kept in touch sort of <coughs> a couple have died but um And out of the 40, uh, 21 were on the Zoom. So that's That's amazing. Over
0: 40 years, yeah.
1: And uh, none of them, I don't, I think probably I'm the only one that's worked as an actor all the way through that time. Um, The only famous person is, do you know um, uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus? Yeah. uh, She's been Seinfeld and Veep. Yeah. Her husband, Brad Hall, um he was on our course. And Brad, in fact, left so he could go and do some work in the States. And he ended up on Saturday Night Live, as did Julia. They were they'd been an item for like you know 45 years, probably. Um, and I in fact I saw them doing Saturday Night Live. I I you know managed to get a they invited me when I went to the first time I went to New York, I went That's to grand. watch you know the rehearsals and the you know and the recording of Saturday Night Live. And so Brad's the only person, that's, you know, he now, he he was in, he appears as himself in some episodes of Curb um, Your Enthusiasm.
0: Oh, I love that, yeah.
1: Yeah, he's in that. I mean, so he's Julia's husband, he is himself, he's Brad, you know, and there's there's a few, he's not in it very much, but he occasionally crops up because Julia's in it quite a lot. Um, and, uh, but other than that, most of the people haven't kept going as actors, you know. Um and the other thing that happened while I was at the drama school—it was only a year's course—we um, were unlikely to get like top agents because the top agents tended to be a bit lazy, and they wouldn't—they'd only go to Rada and Lambda and a few others. They wouldn't come to the drama studio. Um, I was lucky that there was a competition called the Carlton Hobbs Award, right? Which is a radio drama award, and I think it had always been called the. Radio Drama Award and this year because Carlton Hobbs, who was a great radio actor, had died in 1980. So, or 79 maybe. Um, and so they changed the name of the award and made it the Carlton Hobbs Award. So I was the first winner of the Carlton hobbs Award. And which was like all the drama schools used to send like three or four people, and we'd all read bits and we'd choose bits we wanted to do, and we'd do a, you know, a, a group thing and all that. And um we did very well. We, and the men's became sort of first, second, and third. Um, I beat my two best mates, sort of, to get <laughs> it. And the point was the, the great thing about it was that it, it meant the first prize was a six month contract with the radio drama rep and an equity card, which in those days was crucial. You couldn't work with that one.
0: Yeah. I was going to no, say, I-, I mean, that must be quite a, a leap of faith to. You, i know you said about daisy how you know she was never going to have the traditional nine to five and to go from having a grounding in law and enjoying something and then trying to work out how you could do that as you're as you're living is uh it's a leap of faith i suppose to it it, it is but, I
1: mean, I, my parents were supportive you know um <coughs> I, my mum was very i remember my mum said i said Years after you know, I became an actor, um, I mean, she died 20-odd years ago, but I remember saying to her, do you, you, know, do you think I've made a good decision by um, becoming an actor? And she said, I do think it's a waste of a good brain. <laughs> and I had to explain to her that I actually use my brain way more as an actor than you, I ever did as a lawyer. Because in a lawyer, the whole thing about being a lawyer is that you've got to, it's remembering things. Yeah, my best one of the people on my course is still <clears throat> my best friend. He's actually my solicitor. She has a photographic memory. She can remember every dance, every drink we ever had in when we were, you know, students. But, um, uh, but I, you know, uh, that's not my sort of. I could sometimes use the legal thinking when I'm, you know, trying to solve a problem, an acting problem, as it were. But, um, I think I'm just going to turn this off so it doesn't ding. <laughs> that's all right. I had to Turn go. mine off, during as well. Um, uh, yeah. So, um, forgot what I was saying. Now
0: I'm saying about how you use your brain. Yeah. yeah.
1: Geez, yes, I use my brain because you you think weirdly. One of the people that we had come and gave us a talk at drama school was Edward De Bono, and Edward De Bono wrote the book about lateral thinking. About thinking outside the box, really.
0: Oh yes, yeah. His name comes Uh, up in my degree actually.
1: It was was called, you know, it was called lateral, and it was a whole new way of, you know, and he's because the the head of the drama school said that as actors, that's what you you have to do is 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 lateral. And there've been lots of times. It's quite interesting. Sometimes, you know, a lot of a lot of people, it's like an instinctive thing, and you. Make decisions that aren't necessarily the, the obvious ones. But oddly, sometimes the sort of legal brain that I have can be very useful because I'll find myself in a rehearsal room and I'll be the only person that thinks step one, step two, step three, step four in the logical way. And sometimes that's the way of getting out of a problem. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's really not, you know. So it, it's, it's good. You listen all learn from each other, really. But anyway, that's how I got started. So I did six months on the radio rep. And never look back. Really, was never have. I mean, the longest period I've ever had out of work is literally just now, because of, COVID. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've I've had um, eighteen months out of work, basic. Well, apart from the odd uh, the odd voiceover, I haven't done any stand up acting for eighteen months, and I'm about to do something next month. And that's, that's the first right. thing. Yeah,
0: yeah. What, what's All that right. coming up?
1: I'd I better not say because they're being. You know what? It, nowadays yes. they get funny about it because i haven't announced it yet but it's a a ish telly it's only a tiny part it's only a a day's work you know it's a nice big high profile telly so that's Mm -hmm.
0: nice and what was your like uh first kind of wow moment when you were doing i mean you've worked with some uh, under some great people i i know you were on summerstown for example and shane meadows is one of my favorite directors probably my favorite director um and scorsese with um uh yeah. walk as well like to be uh, you know I, I I can sort of see that you know I know the parts weren't huge parts of course but um you're still there but did you see the did you meet them or were they
1: yeah were they, I met them both welcome? very much I mean Shea Meadows um I I i met him for the the piece for Summerstown, and I met him for the piece that the the part that Perry Benson played it, I think, in the end.
0: That's right, yeah, who's in Gentlemen um, like Gentleman. And, uh, yeah. Early Gentleman, sorry, uh, This Is England.
1: Yes, that's right. Yeah. And I was up for that part, and I didn't get it, but Shane liked me and said, look, could you hang out, you know, could you come out for a day filming and hang around, and I think I might use you as, a, as an angry neighbour, you know? And so literally, I you know, I, I was doing a theatre show in the evening, so I hung around on set all day. Until they got to this bit where they might need an angry neighbor, and I just came out and he said, "Just say whatever you like." So it was all improvised. Oh, brilliant! Um,
0: I like that. Great. I love the uh, improvised aspect to. I mean, yeah. I know you've, you've spoken a couple of times about the improvisations that you've. Yeah. Like, His country was quite a lot of improvised. A lot
1: of it was. Yeah. A lot of it was. Uh, yeah. Uh, it was. It was very cool. It was, uh, and he was great, and I just liked the way you know, and he's very down to earth, and we talked about things. And I sort of had asked him what it was, was it a film? He said, I don't know what it's going to be. He said, it's actually, it's all part of a project to uh, to actually publicise um, across, um, you know, the, the Channel Tunnel, Rail, you know, and all that, really. Um, he's, that was where they got the initial grant from. So he didn't know when he was first doing it what it was going to end up as. And he mm. did actually get a theatre release. I didn't,
0: I didn't know that. I, well, I, was, I really like the film and it's...
1: Yeah, it's great. It's, it's I mean, not it's very well short. known, I don't think. No, yeah, it's it's not that well known, no. But um the Scorsese thing, um that was well, I, I'm cut from the film. You don't see well, you see me for about a quarter of a second. I had one line that was cut. Um, and you see me for briefly for a quarter of a second looking surprised, probably because my line had been cut. <laughs> but uh, there's a scene where um um, DiCaprio comes into the mayor's office, played by Jim Broadbent, to ask a favour, or to ask for something and um, and he he interrupts, I'm in the middle of a pitch, basically I'm talking, I'm trying to sell uh, this thing a, a solution, an elixir that cures people of TB and the mayor, who is completely corrupt wanted to get all the Irish people who just arrived off the boat all of whom who had TB, he wanted to get them to vote for him. So basically, he needed something that was going to cure their TB to the extent that they were able to come and vote. So it was all very corrupt, you know. So I had this line about my elixir will soothe, you know, will cure anything, blah, blah, blah. So, um, but that, that, again, it was, um, I met, I met, there's a a woman called... Uh, there was a casting director who was doing the initial casting and I did something. I was up for another part. I was up for P.T. Barnum, a part of Barnum, which Roger Ashton Griffith played in eventually. Uh, And then um, I, I, I met Ellen Lewis, who is Scorsese's casting director. She brought me in. And I'd done put something on tape, you know, for the, casting him before, and and she said, "Oh, Marty really likes your work." I'm like, you know, he's seen a, me do a line, you know, and so I I did it again for her, and I got the part, and and um, we we filmed it in Chinatown, you know, in Rome, um, and it was extraordinary that we, <laughs> so I, you know, they put me up in a hotel, and you know, I was not with. It was weird. Lots of people. It was a it was a job where lots of actors got lost because the, the 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 schedule was all over the place there were people who went out there for a day who ended up being there for six months you know it was sort of weird and i was about to go to the rsc and i was there for the week and i and the driver picked me up from the airport how long you're here for i said a week he said no no you'll be here months and i'm like oh great okay <laughs> and in fact i wasn't it was it was you know it was all done and dusted and we i had a day where we rehearsed. It was quite a big scene, this scene, with people coming in and out. And most of the principals, so DiCaprio was in it, Daniel DeLewis lewis was in it, um, Eddie Marsan and Jim Broadbent were in it, and also uh, Henry Thomas was in it, who was sort of um, the sidekick to DiCaprio, you know, who was the boy that was in E.T. Oh, he played right. Elliot in V.T. Yeah. <laughs> um, so... I had an afternoon watching all them and watching a Scorsese, scoresor work, which was amazing and we 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 rehearsed the whole scene on a Friday with a view to coming back and on and and filming it on the monday um and um, you know which is sort of quite unusual, but that's you know and it was just watching him work on a, a big scene and how he was going to do it and there was a the, the cinematographer was a guy called Michael Bauhaus. Well, I think it's dead now, but he was brilliant. He said, I maybe we should have the camera above the door, and, and it was great. And Scorsese was great, he knew exactly, he's very certain about what he wanted, C- quite irascible. Um, yeah, some started talking, one of the sort of chippies started talking in the corner, and he, so he said, That's not helpful, guys, talking in the middle of what the fuck? you know, and did all that, <laughs> and um, and that was fine, and and I had this line, so so we came to my bit, and I had this line, um, something like, my Alexia cures diseases of the blood, this, that. There were about three or four things, and then it was dot, dot, dot. But I just added a couple of extra things um, just to sort of keep, you know, so there was something, it wasn't. And um, Scorsese said he said that's he said that was those things you was he did you add to the script i said well yeah i'm just uh he said no that's good he said um i'd like there to be a bigger list of things he said uh have we got any versions of the script where we have more you know things that the alexia cures and so his script supervisors mm-hmm. went through his computer and went uh, no, that, that said, yeah, he honest. said, well, your task over the weekend is, is to come up with three more things we can put <laughs> on the list." I was like, okay. You know? So anyway, we all went away, you know, we all went away for the weekend. I had a weekend in Rome and Broadbent invited me over to his flat in Rome, So, you know, it was great. And then on the Monday, you know, we I'd had costume fitting and all that. And, um, uh, uh, he said, he straight away, first thing he said was, what did you come up with? And I said, I came up with a list of three or four things. And he said, they're good, he said. But unfortunately, he said, we've been told we can't use anything other than the, the, what, we, what what's written down. So we said, I'll make sure whoever has to interrupt is Jim, who has to interrupt me, interrupts you. So just stick to what, you know, we did, you did. And so that was that. And so we did it and filmed it. And it was great. The only other thing I remember that... Um, Daniel Day-Lewis was was there, and when I arrived on the first day, I've told this story before, um, I went over, you know, I was being introduced, and I went, hello, Daniel, nice to meet you. My name's Bill. So, okay, nice to meet you, Bill. And he was terribly friendly. How are you? How was your flight over here? And I wanted to say, well, you wouldn't know about that, because as far as you're concerned, the airplane hasn't been invented yet, if you're still (laughs) in Yeah. But I thought i better not say that because it might upset him. So, but he—that st- was his thing. He just stayed in the character and the voice. But he was—he was asking, you know, how, you know, he was terribly nice, um, and uh, they all were actually. I, I talked quite a lot to Henry Thomas, the ET guy. He was lovely. Uh, DiCaprio was high, you know. And I didn't sort of see much more of him. And so, yeah, so those are uh, the other people. I did a very early thing with Alec Guinness uh on on a thing called smiley's people and that was fairly extraordinary um uh and you know i've uh, one's crossed you know i work with i worked with jude law when he was unknown i played his dad on a stage thing oh yeah now very famous um yeah uh, and he was great, and one knew because he was so good looking. I mean, he was only about twenty then, and he was—he looked a million dollars. And he thought, if he can act, he's got a huge career in front of him. And sure enough, he can. Yeah. You know, it's a shame so, I
0: never went into acting for that same <laughs> combo. I think.
1: <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I I always so people you know I'm a I'm what they call a jobbing actor. You know, I go from job to job. I can't be too choosy about what I do, although I am sometimes. I'm choosy about theatre work because mm. theatre work is badly paid and it takes up a lot of your time. I'm not so choosy about TV and film.
0: Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I I know obviously you're inside num- inside, you were in inside number nine in yeah. the uh, trial of Elizabeth Gage. Uh, I know I we've yeah. speaking to you not long ago about it. Um but I I I listened to the other podcast um you, you did with WTAF three years ago, before yeah. we'd formed the dump gang actually um yeah a few months later we we set that up and um and you said how you were just given the part rather than it was it was your part they contacted you is that right you you were
1: yeah no it was an it was an outright offer which you seldom get these days Mm. it's it, it makes such a difference i hate you know there's this new thing that people may have told you there's a whole thing of now what happens mainly is you don't have a meeting with the director you do a self tape. And you send the self-tape off. And I absolutely hate it. There are lots of people who think like me and other people who much prefer doing it like that. I hate it. Because you have to get someone else. You have to sort of learn it. Because otherwise it doesn't look so good. And sometimes it's a hell of a lot to learn. So I just load it. But there's no way around it. Because that's what most, you know, I think I've only ever got one job through self-tape. And when someone offers you a job, like the job I'm about to do was a straight offer. Someone who knew me and had worked with me before, and it's both, you know. So, and it—that's—it's it, it, so flattering for that to happen. Yeah, I can imagine. So unusual these days. Usually in theatre, people know who I am, and if they want me, you know, I worked for. There's several theatre directors who I've worked for quite a lot, you know. Um, but um, and in you know, that's the whole thing. It's like it's working with directors more than once that's the whole thing and you know and it's uh, thankfully there are there's a few of them around there who mm. sort of quite like having me around you know so yeah
0: well when you work with when we work with on that show obviously it's well known for the dark twist that yeah. happens every episode even you know there's lighter episodes which i i don't really uh rate as highly as the darker ones and elizabeth gadget was obviously one of those darker episodes um do you know the twist before, you do you get the full script and know, are you fully in the loop as to what the twist is? Before yeah, it comes no, I mean
1: there filming. was there, there was a whole. I mean that is that was a clear script, and I mm. remember reading it. In the last page, it said, "You know, she turns into a crow and flies away." Oh, whoa, okay. <laughs> you know, when you did, I must admit, when I read it, I didn't see it coming. Yeah, um, and I, they did a fantastic job in it. We filmed it in a very drafty sort of warehouse somewhere. I don't know, outside London somewhere yeah but it, uh, it was great fun to do yeah it's nice
0: um because i i think the uh there's only one episode of the entire set i think there's now well by the time this season ends that'll be 37 episodes there's only one episode where i've guessed the twist before the before it happened and every every other time it's been you know just a, a complete surprise in in every every case so
1: they're really clever. They're things yeah. that they're really clever. Those guys and and they're very low key. I mean, they don't. You know, they're they're very bright and intelligent, but it's not all giggles. It's not all sort of. You know what I mean? It's quite not serious because everyone larks around a bit. But it's um, but they know what they're about. Those um, reasons and, and Stephen,
0: I get the impression it, there's, they're they're hard working um, yeah. on set and no, they particular. do. They,
1: you, you get through, you know, you you do quite a lot of work. You know, um, there's, um, they've got this thing where you, if you've been in it once, you can't be in it again. No one's been in it more than no, once.
0: No, and Apart I like from that.
1: that. You know, that is yeah. quite good, actually. Yeah. Exactly. You think it's like, oh, wonderful. had me back. And then you find out, <laughs> oh, no, There's a few jobs like that. Poirot was like that. I got offered a Poirot uh, and, uh, uh, and I was all set to do it. And then they found out I'd done one before and I said, oh, no, you can't be because No one's allowed to be in Poirot twice, you know. Whatever,
0: I also had one of my favorite um comedians of, of all time, uh, Julia Davis. I, I run a Julia Davis fan group on Facebook, and um, right, uh, so her being in one of the episodes of series two, I think, was was also a bit of a treat
1: to, to have. I met her for what was I up for? She did a the last series, she did, um,
0: the last series was um uh Sally, no, Sally, forever,
1: Sally, forever,
0: yeah,
1: and it was to play the main character's dad, who, ah, yes, turned up and has diarrhea or something that's right, remember?
0: yeah, he has a bad stomach, and she David
1: David can played it, um, yeah,
0: she I deliberately think. gives him food that's
1: that's right, the, oily. That messes him up. Yeah, and uh, well, I met her, and I didn't get the part, but she seemed terribly nice. She's she's very low key, very quiet. Not yeah, at all.
0: she is. I, I think I think she sort of. Uh, I think her husband probably takes more of the limelight. Um,
1: yes, Julian yeah. Barrett. Yeah, yes, of course. Yeah, but uh, uh, but she's good. I like her stuff. Yeah. I thought that one was maybe a step too far. There were a couple of episodes where it really—well, there was,
0: wasn't there? Was There's some god Almighty nudity. The one, the
1: one on the film set was just like,
0: oh yes, of course, yeah, yeah.
1: You know, and I—there was part of me thought, no, I think that's maybe that's one of those ones that I think in some way they would have said no in rehearsals, but no, they went ahead. <laughs> it's cool. It, having said that, very brave, and I, I applaud that.
0: I I do like in comedies the the sort of link you get between groups of comedians. So, um, for instance, in that comedy, in that series, the guy on the film set who's the director, who she she ends up having that act with, um, he's then in uh, a comedy on, Channel 4 comedy, I can't remember the name of, it'll come to me later. Uh, But but you see the same characters. So there's... um, she was in a, a series called Camping. Did you see that?
1: Yes, I did. I love that. That was fantastic.
0: And in episode two, um uh Vicky Pepperdine's uh son, or the actress Vicky Pepperdine, her son gets hit in the in the eye in the eye with a swing ball and she yeah. takes him to hospital and there's that doctor who's working at the hospital, and he's in a lot of Julia Davis's programs. And right. And I like that connection, that you you sort of see the same three or four, the core of people in each of them. Well, I think
1: most yeah. most creative people, out. most people are in a position who are directors or writers, and there's certain people who... The person I get used by the most is Andy Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he and uh, Guy Jenkin have used me in about a dozen things. I mean, I did an episode of... Um, oh drop their donkey yeah um and and w- the last major one i've done a few things i did the- he did a series recently about the devil and what the devil meant and i was in that as a monk that was more of a sort of comedy documentary style thing but then i also did we did a series in 20 must've been 2015 just before the election called um ballot monkeys
0: oh yeah mm-hmm.
1: um ballot monk and that was terrific because we that was you know, we never knew what we were going to be doing until the day of filming, and it and it would go out that night. I mean, that was scary, you know. And 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 so I'm proud to say that I'm one of Andy's sort of core of people that he often goes to. Yeah, I've done I've, I'm, I've done loads of stuff for them over over the years, starting <laughs> with Who Dares Wins, that sort of sketch show. I oh, did recollect it. Yeah, with Jimmy Mulville, Warren McGrath, people like that were yeah. in it. Julia Hills and that was in the early days of channel 4 you know um,
0: um so what what do you think um with with this country has i one I, one of the things i kind of get the impression um, with is that because of social media these days there's a good chance that comedies that are perhaps a little bit um unknown of so the office first series for example came out to to little fanfare and then it was generally season two when people actually started to learn about it because repeats of the first series started to happen series two was out um and indeed this country i hadn't heard of it until i started to see the adverts on for bbc3 um and i thought it was a documentary as everyone as as everyone has suggested at one time or the other but what i've kind of seen with, with this country is there's a lot of shareable clips and BBC Three's media team are really good at pushing out every comedy they've got. People just do nothing. Yes. There'll be a clip clip for that. Then the next hour there'll be one about this country. And they get shared on Twitter and Facebook and, and everything else. And I think that that helps bring it to the attention of people who might have missed it. Yes. And I think we're I mean, in an uh, age now where that, that's prevalent. Yes.
1: That's, <laughs> well, I think that's the point. Because if you think about it, you know, there, there was nobody in it who was well-known. No. Um, there was nobody in it who had any, I mean, you know, half the cast had never acted before in their lives. Yeah. You know, uh, Charlie hadn't, nor had uh, my brother, Paul, and nor had Michael, who played slags, Slugs, um, you know, had never acted before, you know. Uh, and the only, and Daisy done relatively little. She'd done, I think, two or three jobs, mm-hmm. you know, which is why she was writing her own stuff, you know, writing her own stuff, because... You know, she went. She had this. She came out of Rada and kept going up for these amazing jobs and getting to the last two, and then not getting them. And her agents, or the, her then agents, almost sort of gave up on her. She was a very big agent, Um and you know, she had after about six months, they sort of gave up, and so she was stuck doing nothing. You know, that was the point. And she did, I think she did, Doc Martin, didn't she? She does a got a scene in. Doc yes, Martin. that's right.
0: Is it police?
1: Uh, uh, uh no the police which she does because i'm in the, the other one she did i'm in as well um which is um uh the wrong man's that's it yeah the police Woman, because uh you know that matthew Bainton is also related to us yeah and so he got he got us both in that um <laughs> useful to have family matthew you know the, the the i mean one of the stories was that when ITV um, and, and, and uh, Universal, who had this country to start with and had it for years, and we shot a pilot, which no-one was happy with, and then ITV and Universal sacked them, sacked Daisy and Charlie. And Matthew was one of the people that went to, um, uh, what's-his-face, um, head of comedy at the BBC, whose name escapes me for the moment, um, and said you ought to look at f- they. Did.
0: Yeah, I follow well, him on Instagram, but I have forgotten his name.
1: Yeah, but it's it. They done a, a sort of trailer, which was nothing because the thing that what ITV and Universal did to it was they wrecked it. Because I remember the original scripts that Daisy and Charlie wrote, and they said I was doing a job. 2012 this was, mm-hmm. and I was doing a job in Bristol, and a uh, 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 Daisy, you know, emailed me these six episodes, and I was in bed reading these things, literally dying of laughter. It was it was laughter. I thought, this is magnificent. And then Universal and ITV got hold of it and sucked all the comedy out of it. Yeah. And and tried, did all the sort of rules. And the, they'd already made a sort of tasting, which was much more in the spirit of the, you know, the original scripts that she'd written. And they gave that to the man whose name, Shane, Shane, Shane Allen,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. isn't
1: it? At a comedy. And they gave the, Shane Allen said, yes. And they got a series on the strength of that. I mean, Daisy wrote to him as well, but um, on the strength of that, they got a series without even a pilot, you know? Um, and yeah. so they were off to the races, you know, but, but we did, I think, and there was no indica- we had no idea of how it would be received. And the very early on, there was a guy in the independent who, who did an article Who'd seen the series before it went out, and he said, "I've seen this series, and I think it's special and and, and did a whole you know wonderful pie end into how marvelous it was um and I think that's what got people going you know certainly the the broadsheets were always more into it than the tabloids were you I see, know that's I don't... interesting
0: that's that's quite an interesting stance actually because the
1: because essentially it's a working class comedy
0: yeah precisely
1: but 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 it was it was the broadsheets that that took to it
0: yeah and and it's you know well known that the everyone watches it anyone who watches it can find characters in it that they they know and yes their own place wherever they live because th- there's a universality to it it's yes. not just it's not just specific to the Cotswolds even though it's set there it's a it's a it's a country it's a comedy for the country hence the title i guess uh, yeah
1: yeah yeah it. no it's interesting that that sort of you know papers like the Mirror and the sun and the Express just were very late jumping on the bandwagon. No. until It wasn't until they started winning BAFTAs and things that they even bothered about it. I remember the Express writing a very iffy thing. This has been going on for a series of half. It's one, but I can't see why it's not funny at all, you know. And you thought, well, okay, you know, but um, <laughs> it seems to have gone down. And, you know, people, what, what it is, people who who like it sort of love it, I think that's the thing. There's a, a yeah. Huge... You know, you know, I wherever I go now. I mean, I had to go in and have a haircut at a posh barber's for this next job I'm doing, and it was one of these places which is full of beautiful people cutting hair and having their hair cut, and all the people to do with this new job I'm doing all decided more and more, wanted to talk about this country. You know, it's, which was great. You know, yeah, that's pretty amazing. Are,
0: are you know. most recognised for that? Do you think? of anything um, done, or obviously even a lot of things. I mean, you I've never you been someone
1: who's to. completely, rec- you know, I'm not sort of recognised that much for things. That, there was a series I did some years ago with Tim Spork or Frank Stubbs Promotes, and that I used to get. That was like primetime ITV for a couple of seasons. And I used to get quite a lot of that, of that. Uh, but no, once in a while, it's not, you know, I don't get mobbed, you know, it's not, not like, you know, a few people, but if I'm working on a job, People within the industry know it. You know, yeah, very of course. They, yeah. That's, that's
0: the thing. Yeah. It seems to me like a writer's kind of comedy. Um, yeah. You know, you have the Writers Award in football and yes. you have the Fans Award. It's almost like mm. the people who know the craft and hence winning the BAFTA Craft Award. It's it's, yes. it's the people, they're the people who know quality.
1: Yes. We didn't win it this year, though, Pat, did we? Um, well, I
0: mean, they, they only sometimes know quality.
1: <laughs> I mean, we, we had won it before, so I, I thought... Because where I'm going, actually, it's... Uh, is it not next Sunday? It's the Sunday after. Oh, is it? Uh, the BAFTAs, yeah. Uh, Daisy's going and I'm going and I think Paul's going. And that's it. Charlie decided he would rather go fishing, even though he's up for the award. <laughs> but I think he thinks he won't win. I think he thinks that um, uh, Paul Ritter will win because he's no longer with us, you know. Yeah. It'll be one of those posthumous ones, I think. Wow. Well, um,
0: we'll see. But... Um... I I like fishing, so I I you know you get something good out of that as well as yeah win win really. It's like betting on your football team to lose. Yeah,
1: mm. uh, he's he's uh, Charlie was delighted to have been. He really was thrilled to have been nominated because oh he of does often get overlooked because Daisy's so out there and they are so different as people, you know. Um, and Daisy's so out there and you know doing you know quiz shows and. Yeah, of course. And things like that. And Charlie's so not into any of that. And I mean, he just didn't want to go. He's been to quite a few ceremonies already. He went to the first batters one where they won a few. But he, Yeah,
0: he also went alone, didn't he? One, one there time. was one
1: he went to alone and picked up the award. Yeah, that's right. And did a speech and... I think it was a television, Royal Television Awards or something. Yeah, but um, yeah, but he's. I think he's had enough now, and he's, he's. You know, he's doing other work. You know, he's done a big film. Oh, of film. course, he
0: was in Greed as well, wasn't he? With Steve. Coogan. Yeah, he
1: was. But he, and he's done another film recently. sort of with all sorts of people like Sam Rockwell and Adrian Brody in it. A big. Mm. That Tom. That Tom George directed a sort of mis oh, murder yeah. thing, a black comedy. Yeah, I don't um, know what
0: it's called. Wow. Um, I mentioned Steve Coogan there. I, I'm a big Partridge fan. Do you have any? Uh, do you like Alan Partridge or?
1: I love, I mean, I think I'm an, the one, the series in The Motel.
0: Yeah, I'm Alan Partridge.
1: Is, is probably the best, one of the best ever sitcoms that's been, I think. I think, you know, I, you know, my comedy stuff, I I still think Tommy Cooper is the funniest person that ever walked. Um, so I'm, that's very old fashioned. I still, I think Spinal Tap's the funniest film that's ever been made. Um, and there are certain people, Billy Connolly, um, very much so. People who have me in a second, Morecambe and Wise. So quite a lot of old school people, but Coogan of all the modern comedians always makes me laugh. And, and you know the one he's sung at the moment, you know the this time or this time, time is, yeah, is, is very funny. You know that character is hilarious and will yeah. never stop. You know, I've got um, the
0: um, I've, I've had discussions with with friends who. They had seen I'm Alan Partridge. They'd seen um, the second series of that, and then unless you're kind of able to watch online some programmes, because there was there was two seasons of Mid Morning Matters. There were two seasons of Mid Morning Matters. Yeah, there were two specials: um, Scissor Dial, Places of My Life, and then there were the two autobiographies as well: um, yeah. I Partridge and Nomad. So, as a as a fan of him. His character—I've read all of it. I've watched everything. I've seen all the clips that have ever been, and um, and so I've seen the sort of change in his character from the uh, downtrodden character from from the travel tavern, yes, through to the overconfident star of this time, hosting. Yes, Um, because I've seen the kind of I've seen that develop. Over the series, mid morning matters. He becomes more self-assured and almost arrogant, and talks down to Simon. and uh, And he's carried that through into this time. And so there's a kind of big gap for people who watched the earlier series and then now watching this. Yes, I think. I think. Um, But I'm I'm actually uh, in October. I've got to host, well, write and host a quiz for 300 people. Wow! um, About Alan Partridge at the world's first Alan Partridge Fan Festival. (laughs) Right. Okay. Because I, I wrote a quiz book um, a while back, um, Alan Parker. it's the world's biggest quiz book uh, available on, on Amazon. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, and so I wrote that, and Sarah, who I uh, co-admined the group with, me, yes, is Amy, Sarah and I. Well, Sarah does the badges, and he got in touch with her to ask for some badges for this. And then she said to me about it, and so then I got in touch and said, I can give you some of the quiz books as prizes." Yeah, and then COVID happened, and it got pushed back and pushed back. But now, yeah, in October, it's uh, it's been resurrected, and he's asked me if I oh, can wow. now not just attend, but do the do the quiz. So, bit of a daunting thing.
1: Yeah. Now he's a, he's a I I I think that series is is a classic. You mm. know, The Office, obviously. Um, you know, um, all the off series, of The Office, and slightly to a lesser extent Extras. But I didn't have any time. I didn't like Derek at all. Um, Did you not? No, I found that really schmaltzy Mm -hmm. there's something about and also there was something about his portrayal that was what worried me a bit you know him playing someone who was i i I found that different i found that difficult to take and i found it was just a bit mawkish the whole thing Mm -hmm. Uh, and there were obviously there were moments in it that were very funny but um yeah you know I I give it you know I there are things in you know most things that are you know there aren't many comedies that I just that I don't watch you know I I even something like Mrs Brown's boys I, I mean it's not a good series because all the supporting cast are terrible but the main guy is brilliant he on his own he sometimes will just have a a sort of thing where he'll there's one where he he picked up a uh, he was he thought he was answering a phone, and he actually picked up a taser and tasered himself and disappeared behind the sofa and came out with it. And it was absolutely brilliant, like a real old Buster Keaton.
0: Yeah, it's very physical. He obviously. on his
1: own is 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 a genius. It's just the rest of the program's terrible. But, yeah, uh,
0: it's quite interesting actually because I've been listening to Ricky Gervais has got a new podcast with um, Sam Harris, right, called Absolutely Mental, and the first episode is free to listen to, and you have got to pay for the uh, rest of the series. But the first episode is about dreams, and he starts talking about dreams initially, but then moves on to talking about comedy and what's funny, why why people laugh. About the visceral, like there's a visceralness to to laughing, and uh, going back to sort of he goes back to sort of cave people and laughing at someone falling over. It's funny, but yeah. it's not comedy. Right. But then the actual work that goes into creating physical comedy. Um, so, so you know, tasering and falling behind a sofa, and the hair being is obviously very physical, but it's crafted to.
1: Yeah, you know, it's really awesome.
0: interesting the discussion as to the, the, the sort of essence of what makes something funny, because obviously something crafted can be funny to some and not to others. But something that is um, someone slipping over and, especially if they're very self assured, slipping over and, and looking silly can be yeah. hilarious, like the most funny yeah. thing of all so yeah. i found it really interesting
1: yeah it is it's, it's 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 crazy what what makes people laugh you know i i've always gone for, for slightly more hard hitting you know if i hear that a comedy is described as gentle then i'm less likely to watch it so i detect- was never a, never a great one for things like last of the summer wine and things like that
0: the Detectorist. um that, that that's been was- described as gentle
1: yeah, but that was different. That was gentle in a different way. It was there was something about the detectorists that was that I I loved. I mean, I thought it was super, you know. And yes, you're right. It that you're right. It probably is described as gentle. But some, I suppose, what I mean is the slightly more old-fashioned studio sitcoms. Yeah, which are all about you know husband, wife, and two kids and things like that.
0: Yeah, you know? um, the um, two of us. Good night, sweetheart. That's yeah. Kind
1: of- that sort of thing. ITV comedy. I'm one of the people who don't, and I, I like most of the people in it, but I don't like Friday night dinner at all. That was, was a big celebration of it. Was it last night or something? But I don't get that. It's something to do with those two boys sneering at everyone all the time. And I just, it just doesn't make me laugh at all. I, I And I think Paul Ritter and Tamsin Greg are both brilliant in it, but I just don't find it funny.
0: That's really interesting. Cause I've, I've, got the same opinion from different people um some people hate it and some people really love it
1: no and I know there are people who are nuts about it you know yeah um
0: and i find it very hectic i think yes you know in a real house you'd be like telling the neighbor who's not around just to piss off and we're yes. having dinner the, the 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 fact they entertain it overly and leave their door open to him for him to walk in it's just kind of too hectic yes for, for me that aspect of it i do like parts of it and then there's parts like that that
1: Yes, but I'm it's never one. one it's never one that's taken off with me really. Mm. But um mm. No, I like I like dark stuff. I like, you know I've you know, I've d I've been in I was in one of the original plays that Martin McDonough wrote. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, who did um three billboards outside Ebbing, you know, him that nah, nah. Guy who wrote that and and directed it, and I was the play I was in was called Lieutenant of Inishmore and I did the original of that, which uh, is an incredibly dark piece, but very very funny um, in the theatre, and it won an Olivier for best comedy, I think. Uh, but it involves at one point, you know, there's me and uh, Donald Gleeson on stage having a, a very cheerful conversation while we cut up bodies, literally. We've got hacksaws somewhere cutting people's heads off and putting it in buckets and, you know, blood spurting. And there's people in the audience fainting and, and running out and screaming at the stage. And we're having this, what do you think your mum will say when she comes back now? <laughs> Would she like you? Yeah, I think she will. You know, absolutely not.
0: And and that's, I think that's, I, I like dark stuff. Julia Davis is really good at yeah, dark stuff, which is yeah, why yeah. I'm such a fan of hers. And League of Gentlemen, of course. Yes, of course. Of, yeah. Um, elements, yeah. Oh, that's good to. Good to know. I I guess that, you know, you're, you're, uh, well, you grew up growing up in Devon. It's, there's that kind of bleak, bleakness to, yes, uh, to the moors of Devon and and that kind of thing. There's a, there's a, and historical aspects.
1: There's Dartmoor and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't really until I left Devon that I knew there were things, I found there were things to do. You know, I was, when I lived in Devon, um, I played golf when I was a teenager. That was, my, you know, I did that. I haven't done it really since. But there wasn't, there weren't even things like there was occasional. There was, there weren't, there weren't any discos and clubs and things mm-hmm. when I was growing up there. It was, it was pretty dead. There was cinema, you know. Yeah. Um. But it was. It, Paul and I went back there last year, last summer. We decided just to, to have a sort of.
0: That's right. Yeah, I saw the. You had a hotel, didn't you, overlooking the sea?
1: We had a lovely hotel. The hotel was the best bit of it, which we knew about anyway, the Commodore at, at Insto. And um we got horribly depressed by it. By actually the town that we, we were brought up in. It was it's dead. It's like it's been bypassed. There are bypass. You don't go through it anymore, you go round it and it shows. Mm-hmm. Everything's peeling and everyone looked depressed. It was really depressing. And it's interesting because on Facebook there's a guy. Who started this uh, club at Memories of Biddeford, um, which we, with Paul and I both joined, because there were lots of memories and people talking about fish and chip shops from the 1960s and Chinese, you know, and I put the school photo on and people were identifying people. And I actually got in touch with people I was at school with via it. And so we were up for it, just to sort of have a look. And it was very, very depressing. It really was. It was quite sad. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't say that. We just, I said, we can't go back and put that on the Biddeford website, can we? Paul said, no. (laughs) They'd be really upset because they're all glorying in the memory of most of the people I was at school with. They're still there.
0: Do you think, though, that the, you know, uh, sort of thinking back to dark comedy and things like that, that the the, the fact that there are depressing towns, the fact that people have higher opinions of themselves than than is valid, creates a sort of successful uh framework for comedy. So yes. the thinking of you know, the false optimism of the guys in People Just Do Nothing, David Brent as yeah. a manager. Um, yes. obviously the League of Gentlemen, the bleakness of yes. Yes. I can't remember which town it is, but that kind of
1: Royston vasey.
0: Yeah. Oh yes. I think yeah I was thinking of the real town but yeah Royston Vasey and the, Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And even this country, you know, it's yeah it's it's a quiet, depressing lifestyle yeah. that they have to kind of just cope with yeah um yeah i just think that that probably, no i think i think you're right yeah. i
1: think it's you know out of a, out of adversity comes the best comedy mm. probably you know it's that sort of thing where you're just sort of you know and there's no doubt about the fact and it was you know when charlie started sleeping on daisy's floor when she was at rada and they just started Telling stories and rem- remembering things that had happened in Cirencester to them when they were growing up. That's what That's what the start of the series was, mm-hmm. them laughing so much. We've got to write this down. Yeah.
0: They did, you know. Um, I, I mentioned it earlier. I know you, um, uh, Christmas um, with them in Cirencester on occasion. Christmas
1: with the Coopers. Yeah. How, how's <laughs> it's, that? It's very, it's very noisy. It's really noisy. It's interesting because there's always been, you know, I've had, I was married briefly and I remember my, you know, my wife, you know, used to come and we'd all get together at Christmas. She said, God, she said, the Cougars are noisy. And we were a very noisy family. My my father was quite loud. Paul and I together are, the decibel level is massive. And Daisy too is extremely loud. And so there's, it. it's, it, but it's, it's, we try and, we, we weren't able to this year because of COVID, but we do try and sort of get together. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, um, Christmas, when was it? When I, I hired this sort of place by a lake in the Siren Costa Lakes, that was, was that 2018? I can't remember anyway. But basically I got this big sort of four-bedroom house rented for Christmas, booked it very early, so we knew we'd have it. So um, people just sort of turned up you know at various times and so on boxing day we had about 25 people most of the time there was like there were about five or six of us you know because there's and we're all very um paul and my sister and i are all very close Mm -hmm. we talk to each other (laughs) every week um all our families i mean i don't have kids but you know we and and so we all get to we all get along which is which is pretty good um Sorry,
0: quite rare as, as well. I think
1: though, I think we were all slightly united against my father, who could be a bit overbearing, and and we used to, you know, get together and tell stories about him, and that sort of united us, you know. Um, and we, you know, it it, it was, um, no, it, it's 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 we always there. Are a certain game we always, there's a certain card game that Daisy introduced, which we always no, it wasn't Daisy introduced it. It was my stepmother introduced mm-hmm. it. Which Daisy completely freaks out. It's become her favorite ever game, and she plays it wherever we go. And it's a thing where you get two packs of cards. Yeah. And you wrap up lots of presents. Lots, some of them are foolish presents. Some of them are really nice presents. And some of them are like things like um, lottery cards, lottery tickets, and things like that. And some are really awful. Some's are tin of beans. And then, you know, and so you get this whole bat pile of presents. And everyone gets a card, you know, probably depending on how many people there are, there's normally about 10 or 12, but you get about three or four cards each. And every time a card mm-hmm. comes out, you can pick a present.
0: That corresponds uh, to that card, gotcha. Yeah.
1: However, once the, 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 the pile of presents has um, has worn out, then if you get a card, you pick the present from someone else's pile. Ah. So you can spot people are starting to work out what the presents are. And um, we we do it gets it, it's 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 mad. And it's to do with and we you have to sort of sing all the time. When the ace of spades comes up, everyone goes, the ace of spades, everyone <laughs> get up and do that. It's just really noisy. I mean, we always we used to do it on Christmas Eve at, around at, at Paul and Jill's and Daisy and Charlie would come over, and a lot of Charlie's mates would come over. And we'd all sit around, and we'd play this game, and God knows how the neighbours didn't complain. It was so... People screaming at the tops of their voices. Because I I remember... remember the card came up, you know, the five of clubs. The five of clubs! You know, know, (laughs) all the people leaping up and down, and, you know, there'd be sort of a nickname for each parcel. So, you know, there'd be one... That was quite obviously a lottery ticket. The lottery ticket, the lottery. You know, let me pass round it, it. It's very, yeah. and we play, we always used to play. We play a lot of board games, things like that. You know, there's a lot of that goes on. You know, mm. um, um, and and that's always been part of it. I mean, it, we haven't been able to have a Christmas like that. We didn't last year. I think we didn't the year before because I think we were. I can't remember why no, I was working. That's why I was. I think I was, that, I was doing a theatre job, so I only had two days off.
0: Yeah, was it two thousand eighteen then? Because um, I remembered that there was that carol. Everyone had to sing a carol.
1: Yes, that was it was two thousand eighteen. Like, yeah, and we, that that was on the Boxing Day when there were about twenty people there.
0: Yeah, because we all got everyone in the dump gang doing it as well.
1: Yes, and we all we all. I can't remember what we sang. Away in a manger, wasn't it? Yeah, I think.
0: Yeah. I think it might
1: and, have been. we also and Pip was there and you know newly born Pip um and all that and yeah we all sat there and did that and that's I mean that's also you know uh, Daisy's family mm. on the other side her her, her
0: mother
1: uh, and people like that you know her cousins yeah they there as well you know so it's, it's it's quite a big when when the whole extended block get together you know who are not like not coopers would like other people you know mm. Cracknells.
0: I think she was down in Southampton a day or two ago. Down in my neck of the woods.
1: She was, because she's I can't remember what she's I think she's maybe doing the Witchfinder. Ah, with uh, um Tim Key. Tim Key, yeah. I think yeah. she's doing that at the moment. But yeah, I saw the thing on Instagram about the hotel with when yeah. Pip turned up with the binoculars. She's so sweet, Pip.
0: I've um I've set up a new Facebook group for The Witch Finder just to he, you know, set up the, yeah. the new pump gang when it comes out.
1: Well, that was the thing that was uh, literally that she'd done one day's work on it and the COVID happened. Oh. And they had to put it back for, a, you know, over a year, you know. It's
0: a shame because that, that sound on, you know, on paper, it sounds really
1: quite it's interesting. Because sort of it's a sort of road trip with a witch. Yeah. It's basically a lot of talk. Uh, I heard Tim Key talking about it and he, his uh, influence was, um, oh, fucking great film. Uh, the film with Charles Grodin, who's just died, and Robert De Niro, when they're on the run, the bounty hunter film. Um, I know. But Robert De Niro is a bounty hunter, and Charles Grodin is the person that's being brought in, and he won't go on a plane, and so they have this extraordinary road trip across the... I
0: can't remember. I don't know it myself.
1: One of the great comedy films. And he, Charles Grodin, who is brilliant in it, um, he died, like, last week, you know. Um Mid, mid midnight run, it's okay. called, and it's, so if you ever get the chance, that's mm. if you like comedy, that's one of the great films, and all the little funny little weird characters are all involved. They're all sorts of gangsters and people. It's a great film. Grand, okay. one of the great sort of you know.
0: Yeah, so that's, that's based boy. on. Got a basis on that.
1: I I think that basically the the uh, uh, Tim Key was on. I think Big Breakfast or something, talking about it and saying that that was one of his influences, the idea you get these two mismatched people, one of whom's a complete pain in the ass, having to do this big journey, like a road trip across the country, you know. And that's, that's sort of what it is. It?
0: Oh, well, can't wait for that to be worked on a bit Yeah. More. yeah. And there's another yeah. one she's doing as well soon, isn't there? Uh, there's a
1: thing I don't know much about that. I saw a thing announced about the... Um,
0: Housing estate, yeah. It's line. like, a, a, it's, like awesome. it's
1: like a b- sort of woman living on benefits with a ten-year-old daughter and all that. Yeah. And it, it got very good press as a book, you know. And it, it, the character sounds like Daisy. Sounds like it's perfect for her. But um, I, I don't know much about. That. I haven't. No, sp- yeah. I personally haven't spoken to her in a week or two. Not since that came up. But um, hmm. I'll see. It. We do. You know, we we get in contact quite a lot. We you know we have we share a weird love of sort of terrible TV programs. Um, we both are huge. Our, our guilty pleasure is Catfish. We, any version of Catfish. have got to watch that. And uh, there's a few other things. And uh, there's one about any of those weird documentaries. There was a documentary about dogging.
0: Oh, really? Oh, on Channel 4? And,
1: yeah. Yeah, I've and watched it a few times. That's one of her favorite programs, and all the people are in it
0: oh my exotic. god yes because there's two large where ladies wear,
1: they wear exotic masks so you can't is remember. it the
0: one where there's two really large ladies and this guy in the middle who's tiny yes yeah and, and and they're so mean to him they're like um yes oh yeah it's every it's every guy's dream to have two women <laughs> and you just look at the two women he's got yes, they're, they're and, really
1: and it, it's like that's they've what, told it, him it, to... anything like that she loved that there's a there's another <laughs> one that was all about her there's a club. It's like a sex club, and it's a place where you go and swingers, like a swingers club, yeah. and people go, and all these people turn up who've got no hope of actually meeting anybody. You know, ladies beyond a certain age, and it it is just. I, I remember it came on. I thought, I thought, God, this is bad. I've got to, and I I I I WhatsApp Daisy and said, you, have you watched seen this? And she said, It's my favourite program <laughs> <laughs> you'd already seen it before when it first went out.
0: If I recollect that guy in the in that dogging one, he, he goes out to the woods and then decides he wants to call it off because he's he's that they're like getting on with business and, and he's yeah. like, Can we go home? Yeah, oh, this cracks me up. Especially because yes, there's masks as well. Just anything like that.
1: It's anything, you know, that that yeah. we have we have, you know, sort of real sort of cringe documentaries are you
0: know oh well if I if I find anyone uh that might be a new one I'll, I'll forward over to the detail
1: yeah yeah do I mean those it's those ones that are uh, you know and I think
0: really that's what's great popular. you know real people are funnier than than, than yeah producers. but in, no, absolutely. Yeah. you know
1: it sometimes gets out of hand with the whole reality thing you know when people start to believe there their stars and things, you know, it can yeah. get. It's extraordinary. You look at something like Gogglebox. Who would have ever thought that that would be a hit? Mm. People watching television. And it sort of is. They've been quite clever about who they found, and they sort of weed out the people who are sort of boring. And there are some people who have been in it from the, yeah, from the start who were wonderful, you know.
0: Yeah, and others, you know, Charles, I can't remember their names, uh, Mary and can't remember his first name. Um, oh, yes. But they've got their yeah. own book and everything out of it
1: yeah i know and they've all yeah. some of them all become scarlet muffets like a big oh yeah TV of course it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah big mate of Daisy, yeah you know, a big... yeah absolutely
0: yeah. right well i think um probably run out of a bit of time of, uh, okay. over a little bit um all right and i probably need to call to call to an end but um trevor it's been so nice having uh, that has been great uh, have thank. Have thank you yeah. so much for the time yeah
1: no problem
0: uh good luck with your next project that remains nameless at this moment
1: yeah like I, i'll let you know when, when they've announced it i'll say yeah no good luck with that it's good i think it should be good. yeah
0: all right um and thanks so much again um yeah we'll let you know when it when it's out and hopefully uh, catch up again soon Brilliant.
1: all right thanks ross all right trevor